Thanks for listening to one of our messages at Crossroads Bible Church. We gather on Sunday mornings at 10 a.m. in person and online. To find out more about our church or to connect to any of our ministries, visit our website at crossroadsbible.org. We hope you enjoy the message and pray it encourages you as you seek to follow Jesus. Good morning, everybody. How are you? That's good. It's pretty good. I can't really complain. That was, that was decent. Uh, when, Charlie, when Charlie was up here early, he was like, and if you're a lady in the house, I, was, I really thought he was about to announce some like CBC ladies night thing that we're doing. And I, I didn't know that we were that cool. I thought, that sounds fun, but I can't go. Something really weird that's going on in our world right now. It's very strange to me, and I truly, for the longest time, did not understand it in the least bit. Um, I first noticed it in my own kids. And it's this idea, this thing, this, this phenomenon, I guess you can call it, of watching videos of people playing video games. I don't know if you've been exposed to this thing, but it is pervasive. It is everywhere. YouTube is filled with people playing video games, filming themselves, talking about playing those games, and then millions and millions and millions of children and adults, you're all not blameless here, watch this. They just watch people play video games that they aren't also playing. I don't understand. It baffles me. It boggles my mind. I remember when I was in middle school, we got to go off campus for lunch because we lived on a military base and they just sort of let us go wherever we want. Very bad idea. A lot of dumb things happened, but it worked out well for me. We would, there was a big group of us that would race to the bowling alley. We would be, we would make sure that our class before lunch was, we would sit near the door because if you were the first one to the bowling alley, which was about a half mile away, that meant you got first pick of the arcade games in the bowling alley. Because the worst possible scenario was that you had to sit and watch people play games rather than play them. We did everything we could to avoid what now millions and millions and millions of people do all day long. I swear, if I just let my kids choose what they would do, for a whole day, and I gave them no restrictions whatsoever, this is what they would do. They have video games. The weirdest one is that I'll walk in and they're watching somebody play something that we have. <laughs> they could be playing Minecraft if they want, but instead they'd rather watch some guy named Unspeakable play it and scream about it the whole time. I don't get it. Well, I can't say that because I've, something happened. Um, I, I, I'm so embarrassed to admit this. There's an author that I really, really, really like. His name is Patrick Rothfuss. He wrote some books called The King Killer Chronicles. He's very active on the internet, and so it's cool to actually watch somebody who's like writing books that I love, like interact with and answer questions about him and stuff. And he has, he, he, he plays Minecraft online, and I watched it. And the real bad thing is I didn't hate it. <laughs> I kind of dug it. I liked it a little bit. And that really made me feel stupid. 
like I was sitting, and I was sitting in my room, you know, he was doing like some question answering. He was like, all right, guys, I'm going to play some Minecraft. And I was like, oh my God, this is stupid. But I just kept watching it and I liked it. It was interesting to me. I don't know why. I can't really access the reason for why I liked it. But five minutes later, my kids were gathered around me and we were all just staring like zombies into this little computer screen, watching somebody play a game that we could go play ourselves at that very moment. It was so dumb. But I didn't hate it. And today I want to talk about this idea of being a watcher versus being a player. Because we are wired, we are created, we are built to be players. But we are prone to be watchers. You know, this has been a problem in the church since the very beginning. James addresses this. The very beginning of his letter in chapter 1, verse 22, James, the brother of Jesus, talked about it this way. He said, be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. That little piece at the end is, is really interesting to me. Be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. You see, I think, I think one of the problems is we can be tricked into believing that we are players if we watch enough. If we observe enough, we can begin to feel like we are actually doing these things. There's no greater example than sports, my friends. When we say things like, we won today, did you? <laughs> what part did you play in the victory of that team? I'm guilty of this. We, the United States soccer team, is my sports team. So I really only pay attention about once every four years, but we won a game. And I used that phrase. I said, we won. I, I did nothing. I didn't participate in any way. I didn't offer any sort of encouragement. I didn't even like go on Twitter and just encourage them where they might have actually seen it. And therefore, I could maybe pretend that they saw it and felt like they were inspired to play well because Nick the Robinson told them, good job, guys, you can do it. Didn't even do that. But we do this all the time. We use things like we won, we did so great, we played, and we watched so many things that we feel like somehow we're a collective part of it. And we feel the same way sometimes when we lose, right? We feel devastated when our team loses because we have watched them for so long and we feel so connected to it. Watching is, is way easier. It's infinitely easier. You know, I, I really like the idea. I like hunting. I like doing it. It's fun. I don't get to do it very often. And yet I would probably feel... Yeah, I would probably say I'm a hunter, despite the fact that I've bought three hunting licenses in the last year that have just sat dusty on my shelf and haven't been taken, I haven't had to use them for anything. But I, I would say that I am, and you want to know why? Here's the real dirty truth. Because I really like this show called Meat Eater, which is about hunting. I watch it a lot. I was just watching it yesterday. I finished writing my sermon, I sat down and I watched some of the episodes of the show where the guy hunts and then he eats it, and I feel connected to it. I, I didn't do anything. I didn't participate in that, but I felt connected to it because I watched it and I, I began to take on the identity of those things that I'm watching all the time. I'll, I'll confess even further, I even have a video game where I hunt. It's called Hunter. <laughs> it's really fun. It's really cool. The problem is 
the more that I watch, the more I just ultimately want to do the thing I'm watching. The, the more I watch, the, the, the reality is I feel more and more dissatisfied with watching, but I keep doing it. And see, you know, church can actually be like this. We come and we watch and we watch and we watch, but sometimes, and, and for many of us, we never really play. We never really get in the game. You know, originally the, the, the gathering of believers, this whole church thing, was, was meant to be a respite from the hard work we put in for the spread of the gospel during the week. We would gather, we would encourage each other, we would talk about all the strange and terrible things that have been going on to us as believers as we faced persecution and things like that. And then we would worship and we would hear teaching and we would be encouraged to go back out into the field and play and play and play and work and work and work. But now sometimes many of us, myself, is, I'm just as guilty of this, we view coming to church itself as participation in the work of the gospel. And my friends, it's, it's, it's important. This gathering of believers that we do, it's vital, it's needed, but this isn't it. This isn't the whole thing. This isn't getting into the game. This is watching the game in a lot of ways. And that's good. And we should do that. And we need to do that. But there's more. Being a watcher is so, so easy. Our world is full of them. Our world is full of watchers because in reality, I can't play on the U.S. men's national soccer team. They wouldn't let me. I tried. They didn't, they didn't want me. And it would take a lot of work to even play the actual sport. I remember just a few years ago, I had to stop. I would play indoor every now and again. I'd play indoor with some friends. And it got to the point where, like, every week I was coming home with a torn hamstring or a pulled this or a broken that. And my wife was like, I can't, you can't do this anymore. You're old. You have to stop now. And she was right. I wasn't putting in the work to do that. I wasn't exercising regularly and keeping up to date with just fitness and things like that. I just was trying to dabble in this idea of playing, and it wasn't working. It was hard. So I quit. In the same way, honestly, I, mean, I, I love to hunt, but I don't know, it's expensive. It takes a lot of time and energy. It's cold out there. I could shoot somebody. It's dangerous. It's easier to just watch a show and then play a video game and feel mildly satisfied. Watching is so easy. Watching is so easy. Playing is risky. You know, part of the problem is that our world right now is so built around this idea of watching. There is so much content to watch in our life. So very, very much content to view. And maybe sometimes we feel like we're missing out if we don't view it. I, I tried to look up like how many TV shows are available. The number was confusing and weird. It is a lot. It's more than like 10,000 just shows that you can view. There's so much content, and we are being made into a community and a culture of watchers. So the idea of being a player is going against the grain. It's like swimming against the current. It's so much easier to just do what the rest of our world is doing and just watch. And just watch. 
Another reason maybe we think it's cool to just be a watcher for the most part is maybe without, we probably would never say this out loud, but maybe there's part of us that really believes it, is that maybe we think that God is just, is a watcher. You know, there's whole theologies built around this. There's that clockmaker God where God just put the world together and then stepped back and now just sort of watches it. The problem with that, of course, is the Bible, right? If you read the Bible, you realize that's just not true. God is not a watcher. He is a player. He is involved. I mean, the very, the very act of creation, obviously, he did it. He made it. He created. He built. And then he continues to be with us. You can't, I can't tell you how many times in the Old Testament God says, I am with you. I go where you go. I am with you to the very end of the age. Over and over again, he repeats this phrase, reminding us that he is playing. He built, he had people build things like the tent of meeting in the temple so that he could be present with his people. He did not want to just be absent. He wanted to be among them. And so he was, and Jesus came and lived among us. And then he left the Holy Spirit with us to dwell among us and inside of us. We do not have a watcher, God. We have a player, God, who gets in the game every single moment of every single day. Colossians 1, 17, Paul says, He is before all things, and in him all things hold together. This world falls apart without him. He is active. And over and over again, we see God's active hand in our world. He is a player, not a watcher. You know, another reason maybe it's easy to, to be a watcher is, is the cost of it. Because to be a player costs us something we can see. It costs us something we can actively feel. To be a player can cost us money. It costs our time. It costs our energy. And in some cases, it costs us our dignity. When we get in actively involved, it costs us something that we can see and feel. But being a watcher, it costs us something that we can't really see. And James is going to unpack this here a little more. But being a watcher can cost us a living and active faith. This, this is how James phrases it. He says, dear friends, and this is from the message. It says, dear friends, do you think you'll get anywhere in this if you learn all the right words but never do anything? Does merely talking about faith indicate that a person really has it? For instance, you come upon an old friend dressed in rags and half-starved and say, good morning, friend. Be clothed in Christ. Be filled with the Holy Spirit. And then leave. Without providing them as much as a coat or a cup of soup, where does that get you? Isn't it obvious that God talk without God acts is outrageous nonsense? And the last thing he says in this passage, he says, the very moment you separate body and spirit, you end up with a corpse. Separate faith and works, and you get the same thing, a corpse. Watching isn't enough. Watching isn't enough to have a living and active faith. You have to get in the game. You know, I think one of the main points and purposes of, of being a Christ follower is to, to follow Christ. And as we follow Christ, we become more like him. Becoming more like Christ is one of our main ambitions as believers, is to become more like this, this God, this man that lived and walked and loved in the way that, that seems impossible, but God says, you can do it through me. That's, that's our goal, is to live and act and love like he did. And how do we get to know how to do that? How do we do that? We work 
alongside him. We work alongside him. We go into battle with him. We go and do what he does. If you want to get to know God better, you go work alongside him. And we might ask ourselves, maybe we're going through a dry spell or we feel like we're in this desert of of spirituality and we wonder, why don't I have as much God as I really want in my life? Maybe it's because we are just watching. There's a limit to how much we can know God if we aren't doing God's work. You know, being a player with God gives us this, this fuller glimpse of who he really is. When we do what he does, we understand him more, and the more we understand him, the more our choices begin to reflect his choices. The way we understand God is by getting in the game. You know, most sports announcers, at least the good ones, are former players, and there's an obvious reason for that is because they're the ones that know how the game works. You don't just pull random people. I would be the worst football announcer on the planet. I would say things like, hey, the ball, it's going, it's moving, they stopped it. I'm not sure why, they're probably going to stop again. Oh, there's a commercial, all right, I guess we'll stop again. I, I have no idea what's going on when I watch that game. It's confusing and it's slow and it's, and it's frankly, and I know this outs me as a terrible person. It's annoying. I don't like it. And I understand that Charlie's probably going to fire me because I said something so blasphemous in the church that, that football is boring, but I did say it. And you can all counter with, well, soccer's boring, and we'll meet afterwards and we'll yell loudly at each other, and it'll be great. But I would be terrible at that because I don't know what I'm doing. I don't understand it. I don't understand it. And a lot of times I feel like we get lost in this, this loop of, of just being satisfied with watching and, and, not, and not playing. And when we don't get in the game, we lose connection. You know, James, James says it very clearly. If we're not doing what God calls us to do, our faith begins to dwindle. If you want to know more God... If you want to know God more, be more like God, then don't just watch him. we got to get on the field. There is so much that we can be doing. We all have a part to play in this whole thing called life or, or, or faith or whatever you want to call it. We have a part to play in this. Every single person, no matter what your skills or weaknesses are, we all have a part to play. You know, Paul in Romans 12 talks about it like this. He says, talks about our gifts. They differ according to the grace given to us. Let's use them. If it's prophecy, use it in proportion to your faith. If it's service, let's use it through serving. If it's teaching, let's teach. If it's talking to people and exhorting, let's do that. The one who contributes, do it generously. To the one who can lead, do it with passion. The one who does acts of mercy, do it with joy. He lists off all these ways that we can be getting in the game because watching isn't working. We need to get in the game, doing so many different things. God blessed you and God created you in such a way that you are valuable and capable of contributing and playing. You, you, you don't have to worry about being trained and equipped. God has trained and equipped you simply by offering him your holy, his Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit that dwells inside you makes you capable of doing what God needs you to do, doing what God wants you to do, using your gifts. We read this in the, in the liturgy, 2 Corinthians 5.20. We are ambassadors for Christ, God making his appeal through us. It doesn't say that you're ambassadors for Christ when you're doing good things. It doesn't say you're ambassadors for Christ as long as you're doing what God called you to. You are. So here's the thing. You're presenting a gospel to the people in your life. What, 
what are you presenting to them? Are you, are you revealing that God just wants you to sit around and watch? Or are you showing the world around you that God wants us to play, that God wants us to get involved? God wants us to pick up a tool and do something. Because whether you are doing it or you are not, you are an ambassador for Christ and you are presenting a gospel to the people around you. You know, I miss a lot about playing sports, like playing soccer was a big part of my life for like 22 years. It was a huge deal. I miss it. I miss simple things like the, the feel of the grass, the touch of the ball, the excitement of a win. I even miss the devastation of a loss. I miss those things. And we miss out on so much of who God is when we become content with just watching. You see, one of my favorite stories in scripture is, is Jonathan, the son of Saul, and his armor bearer. They're sitting in the camp of the Israelite soldiers. And they're, they're surrounded by the enemy. And Jonathan just gets up and says, we gotta do something. He doesn't have any orders. He doesn't have any people around him. He grabs his armor bearer and says, you and I, we're gonna do something right now. And the dude's like, well, okay, whatever you say, I'll follow you. And he does so little. Jonathan and his armor bearer, they go up a hill. They make some noise. It freaks out the soldiers. They start freaking out more. They start fighting each other. And eventually, armies of the, the enemy are just fleeing because Jonathan and his armor bearer said, we're going to do something. I don't care what it is. We're going to do something. And the whole army of the enemies of Israel were fleeing and fighting each other. It doesn't take much. When we, when we contribute, God will take that thing and he will multiply it well beyond what you thought possible. God has creative solutions to our problems that we have never thought of. He offers us better ways to do life. And if we want the life, we have to depend on his creativity. We have to be willing to live and act outside of our normal pathways. Even if it feels dumb. There is no wisdom in what Jonathan and his armor bearer did. It's terrible military strategy. It would never, ever work in a million years. And God said, oh, that's cool. I'm going to fix it. Just, just do something. God, God said, I'll fix it. I'll make it work. And it's going to freak you out. It's going to blow your mind. The creativity of God is, is boundless beyond what any of us could even possibly imagine. And your tiny little contribution, your little fish and your little bread can feed thousands you just, you got to get in the game. You got to get in there. And you know, it's not just about missing God, but it, it's about missing out on what he had for us. I read, um, no, actually I listened to this podcast about, it was with a, an interview with a guy named Tom Hanks. Maybe you've heard of him. He's America's favorite actor. Um, and Tom Hanks was talking about a lot of his old movies, blah, 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 blah. And then they asked, the guy asked him something that really kind of perked my ears up. He asked him, he said, so, so Tom, you've been in a lot of war movies. You've been involved in a lot of them. You know, Saving Private Ryan. You produced the miniseries Band of Brothers, which all of these were enormous and huge and well-received. And I would have to imagine that most people in this room have seen Saving Private Ryan at some point or some piece of it. You know about it. It's a big movie, right? So he asked him, he says, Tom, why do you think we as society are so obsessed with the story of, of World War II, why is that such a big deal to us? 
And his answer was really simple and honestly felt kind of obvious, but man, it, it clicked in my head. He said, because it was black and white. It was good versus evil. We looked at this, this force of evil coming around the world and we said, that has to stop or it's going to change everything about our world. And we don't get a lot of that anymore. We look around and there's so much ambivalence, there's so much you know, gray area, and maybe this is the right thing, maybe it's not. This whole idea of truth has got a big question mark on it now. It's hard to even identify what is good and what is evil in our, in our world. But the problem is, well, let me read this. Ephesians 6, 10 to 18 says this. Be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may, baby, that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, having done all to stand firm. Stand, therefore, having fastened on the belt of truth and having put on the breastplate of righteousness and as shoes for your feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace. In all circumstances, take up the shield of faith which, with which you can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God, praying at all times in the Spirit with all prayer and supplication. To that end, keep alert with all perseverance, making supplications for all the saints. Guys, watchers don't need swords and shields. Watchers don't need strength or courage or readiness. Watchers just need a comfortable chair, a hot cup of coffee, and a good TV. Creators, doers of the word, players, those of us who are bought in, we need armor, swords, shields, strength, courage, readiness, and we need training leaders to follow. Daily reminders that if God is for us, who can be against us? Because there is an enemy constantly working evil in our lives, and in our world. And it is not the people of this planet. There are no humans that we can call the enemies of the church. In fact, when Christ looked out as he was being murdered by people who said they were his, that, that said they beloved, loved him and said they would follow him, as he's being murdered by these people, he asked for forgiveness because they're not the enemy. But there is an enemy. We look at, we look at the world and wonder, why is there no just truth anymore. Why is there no evil and there is no good side? Well, who, do I, who do I follow? The world is like that. But behind the veil of that, there is an enemy actively working against you, actively working to defeat you, to break the bond that you have with God. That is an evil force that we are fighting against. And Paul makes it very clear here that we need to arm up we need to mobilize and get on the field and work against him to arm ourselves with what God has given us so that we might defeat these things that want our soul. Why do we need to be players and not watchers? Because the enemy is not watching. The enemy is not sitting around wondering what to do. The enemy has a plan and they are putting it into action. And we are the front lines. We are the front lines of that battle for yours and for the world's soul. The enemy is not coming at you 
with a big, scary tank or a fleet of fighter jets on aircraft carriers. He's coming at you with teeny, tiny, imperceptible lies that are going to push you away slowly and methodically, further and further away as you watch. But guys, when we play, when we get in there and we do the work that God has called us to do, we make changes happen. We go up on hills and scare the enemy and they freak out and run. How do we get involved? What do we do? Guys, I can't, I can't list off for you all the ways that we can get involved in the, in the field of Christ, but I can give you some simple options. Like number one, we, we here at the church need people to volunteer to speak into the lives of young people to build up a better generation. You can volunteer in Kidsmen. You can volunteer with students. You can go help out with this thing called laundry love. I don't, I'm just thinking off the top of my head. You can get involved. There are so many areas just in our community that need Christian men and women to go and say, I'm going to help. I'm going to get involved. I'm going to go and work against the evil that is trying to defeat me. We have to get in the game. The more like God you become, the better ambassadors you become. And the more like God you become, the more the enemy shudders at your presence. You know, next week, Charlie's going to start back in Matthew. You might have noticed the last few years we start in the spring, we, we kind of do Matthew. And he does that because he probably would lose his job if he just did like 72 weeks in a row of Matthew. It's a big book. He just got to break it up. We're going to get into Matthew 10 where we see Jesus sending out his disciples. He's dragged them along for a long time. He's taught them. He's shown them what to do. And now he's going to send them out. And he's not going with them. He's sending them out. And he's bringing his spirit with them. And he's going to let them go and get in the game. So as a setup to that, I wanted to show you the value, the need, the importance of getting in the game. Do not be satisfied with being a watcher because we are created to be players, but we are prone to be watchers. Do not just be satisfied with watching. Get on the field, get in the game, play. Let me pray for us. God, give us the strength and the courage and the readiness and all the things that we need to get involved, to go and do something. Do not let us feel satisfied with watching. Do not let us feel those things that the world around us is feeling just by watching. But God, let us feel dissatisfied. Let us feel, show, show us the emptiness of it that we might desire more action, that we might be pushed into your work. And God, as we do your work, help us to become more like you, to know you better, to, to make choices like you would so that we can be the ambassadors that we need to be to spread the gospel to those that desperately, desperately need it. God, we love you and we need you. It's in your name we pray. Amen.